I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Hello, hello. Welcome to The Courageous Podcast today. Today, I have Mercy Castro, who was born in Honduras. She's a 20-year-old single mom of two small children and a teacher's assistant at a daycare. She and her sisters immigrated to the States when they were adolescents and were eventually separated and put into the foster care system in Chicago. Her hope is to be reunited with all of her sisters once again. She says her reason for persevering every single day is to give her kids a better life and prevent them from falling into the foster care system. Although she has had a difficult childhood, she realized that God has been with her the entire time. That's so powerful, Mercy. Thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. Thank you for having me. Well, you have an incredible story, and I think what's so surprising is that at age 20, you've already experienced so many different things, but you've also shown how strong you are already. And then being a single mom, I mean, that's pretty incredible. And so, you know, when I first heard your story, Mercy, my heart was so heavy. I couldn't believe that at your age, you had already been through so much trauma and heartache. And so you told me that you grew up in Honduras uh, with your mom and dad, and that when you were eight, your dad came to the States and your parents tried to maintain a long distance relationship. Eventually, your mom ended up getting into another relationship and she got pregnant And then one day, your life took a very different turn. And so in September 2014, you were celebrating Independence Day in Honduras, and you came home to find the police everywhere. You didn't know what was going on until you stepped into your mom's room. What did you see that day when you came home? I remember being really excited because I participated in the Independence. We do like a walkthrough around the neighborhood. And I came looking for my mom to tell her all about it. And I just remember there was a bunch of cops in our house. And I worked my way up to my mom's bedroom. And the bed was covered in blood. The floor was covered in blood. And, you know, nobody was telling me where my mom is. So I just kind of ran to my grandma's house. And I asked them what was going on. And... Nobody really said anything to me, and I just remember being really, really scared and terrified for me and my sisters. And from that moment on, we went to live with my grandmother on my dad's side. And how old were you again when that happened? I was around seven or eight years old. That's what I thought. And so you told me that you didn't see your mom for like almost four months. Later on, your uncle told you that she was in jail and told you what she had done and you didn't believe him. What did he tell you that day? I kept asking about it, and my uncle said, why keep lying to the girls? Tell them that their mom burned the child that she had on her stomach, and now she's in jail. But this whole time, you know, I didn't believe him. I just thought my mom was in the hospital. That's what I heard from other adults. And then that's when reality kind of hit me, and... I was just really sad and I was really upset with my mom and I miss my mom, but I was upset and I still wanted to see her and ask her why. And when I saw her, I 
I couldn't ask why she didn't. I mean, being so young, you know, not understanding why this happened. You said that you were traumatized and that sometimes you would hug yourself to sleep at night. Eventually, you know, your mom was bailed out of jail and she showed up at your grandmother's house to come and get you guys. And your grandmother at that time had legal custody, but she said she wasn't going to allow your mom to take you because of what she had done to the baby. Was your mom upset that day, you know, that she wasn't allowed to take you guys home? Yeah, she was really upset. I remember it was raining. She was not allowed to go into the inside the house. She was just going back and forth screaming at my grandma because, you know, my grandma told her that she couldn't give custody of us because of what she had done. And she was just screaming that she was a good mother, that she wanted to have us. And we were also scared to go with my mom because at this point we already knew what she had done. Mm -hmm. So we were scared. Eventually, you were allowed to see your mom. Your mom was allowed to spend time with you guys, and you would spend the night every so often. But like you said, your mom never really told you the truth, but you said you, you knew you kind of had an idea. And then eventually you were like, I don't want to stay with her anymore. I'm sure as a young child, you missed your mom because that's a natural instinct. Why didn't you want to stay with her anymore? I hope for one day for her to tell me the truth. And, you know, I know it was not an easy task on her, but I just wanted to hear it from her. And she never did, so I just felt like she was lying to me. And I didn't really feel a connection anymore. She was different from when we were living together. So I decided that I didn't want to live with her anymore. Kids are so smart. When you're that young, you know when something's off, when something's not right, and you had that instinct. And so your dad had remarried during this time uh, while he was living in the States. And so your family in Honduras didn't want you staying with your grandmother anymore. So your aunts didn't want you staying with your grandmother anymore. And they had thought that it would be best for you guys to come to the States and be with your dad, for your dad to raise you. So normally when people come from another country, right, to the States or anywhere, you would either drive or you would take a, a plane. But unfortunately, you guys, because you were immigrants, you didn't have that opportunity to do that. And so your only option was to come with your sisters via a coyote. And you said it took you about a week to get home to Chicago. Tell me about that. So we took a bus from Honduras to Guatemala. Then we took another bus from Guatemala to Mexico. And while we were staying in Mexico, we stayed in many different hotels. And I remember one specific day, me and my two younger sisters got separated. And I got really bad anxiety and I got really sick from it because I was worrying about us being kidnapped. After two days, we were um, reunited again. And that's when we um, crossed the border to get here. You saying that, it just like still, it terrifies me to think that that you guys, just little girls, went through something. Like, and your sisters were younger than you at that time, too. So, you know, you told me that you once you got across the border, you took like a small truck overnight. You were put in a small boat. And those that knew how to swim would just cross over on their own. And then you finally got to the other side, but you still had to walk two to three hours until you got to an immigration office in Texas. As you told me the story, like I said, I was in shock. I was like, there's there's no way that, that these poor girls went through this. You know, how scared were you going through this experience? I was really terrified. I was terrified because of 
through my head it was just going, you know, we're going to get kidnapped because I had heard about kidnappers over there in Mexico and even just scared to get bit by an animal because it was just so lonely and there was kind of like a desert where we were walking. And then we finally saw some trees and that's when there was a big road and we just went into that road and immigration passed by and they just grabbed us and took us to Texas. And so eventually you're reunited with your dad in Chicago. And you told me that when you were first with him, that you were so happy to be with him and that you felt close to him. What did you think your life was going to be like when you came to the States and to Chicago? You know, I think I was going to have my ideal childhood, every kid's dream, boy, at least in Honduras, to be here with their family and, you know, just be happy because I had already gone through what I went through with my mother. So, you know, I thought my dad was going to fulfill that loneliness that I felt inside. Kind of didn't went like that. So like many people, you come to the States hoping for a better life and wanting to be with your dad. You had told me that your stepmother didn't want you guys there. She had other daughters. Obviously, she had her own family and that she treated you guys very differently. There was constant fighting in the house with your dad and your stepmom because of you guys. And it's so unfortunate. You know, how did that make you feel knowing that you weren't wanted there? I was really sad because I had already felt some type of way with my aunts didn't want me in my grandma's house. And I remember feeling really lonely. Like, you know, I have family, but my family, they don't want me. And now even my own dad, because he's married. So I always felt like he was going to pick his wife before us because of the actions that were being shown in the house. Mm -hmm. I remember just being really sad and I would try really hard to make my dad proud and to make my dad really want us and pick us over her. And so coming here, you guys didn't know the language either. And so you were struggling in school. No one wanted to help you learn the language, which I can't even imagine how difficult that was. In the home, everybody called you guys dumb because you didn't know how to do your homework or even maybe communicate. And then you said that at night you would pray to God that he would help you learn the language so that you could make your dad proud. And then eventually your stepmom gave your dad an ultimatum and said, hey, it's either going to be me or them, which no one should ever have to choose between their children. And your dad said, "Okay, well, you know what? They'll live in the basement now. They'll take care of their own stuff. You won't have to deal with them. And that was kind of the deal that they made. But then your stepmom would still tell lies about you guys and just get you in trouble. And your dad eventually started physically abusing you guys. Did your dad ever stand up for you guys and defend you? No, my dad never stand up for us. And my stepmom never hit me. But there was a lot of verbal abuse. But my little sisters were being physically abused by her. I remember one day I was trying to find a way to talk to my mom, you know, so my mom can intervene or somebody can do something. Mm -hmm. That was really scary for us. It got bad until a point that, you know, we had to tell the school. It was just very traumatic. And well, the other two younger girls that were living in the home were not getting hurt like we were. And we would notice that we, you know, of course it hurt me and my sisters and we will discuss it in our rooms. My grandma never treated us this way because we felt like our grandma was the only person that genuinely cared for us and nobody else in the family did. And that was your dad's mom? Yes. 
thank God for grandmas, right? Without them, I don't know what we would do. And so you've gone through so much living with your dad and your stepmom. Eventually you decided to leave just to be on your own and get away from that life. But of course it wasn't easy for you. You stayed with your boyfriend and with your maternal grandmother from time to time. Your dad finally said that he didn't want you guys anymore, that he didn't want to be a part of your life. And you guys went from juvenile homes to foster care homes. Then you get pregnant. What was your life like now with your boyfriend, the father of your son? I met him in the high school that I was going to. We had a good relationship up until I gave birth. That's when the verbal abuse started. It got really physical. And I remember just being stuck in that relationship because I didn't want my son to grow up in a broken home. I wanted him to have both parents. I did not want him to go what I went through. And I remember being with that person, but still feeling very lonely inside. And I would cry myself to sleep. And I would often pray to God, you know, like, help me get out of this. Or if this is for me, you know, fix him. It just kind of never got better, you know. But I never lost Mm -hmm. hope and praying. So that's one of those moments where you felt like you still had hope. God was with you. Somehow, somewhere, he probably was still encouraging you to keep going, right? And you said you guys tried to work out your relationship. Your son then gets sick and he needs emergency surgery. He was in the hospital for three weeks and you were taking care of him there while he was recovering. Then on Easter Sunday, 2021, your baby's father leaves the hospital and says, hey, I'll be back, okay? And you don't hear from him. Later that night, you get a devastating phone call. Who called you and what did they say? There was like three different people that called me. But I remember the specific one that told me what happened with his mother, where she called me and I was in the room holding my baby. And I could already tell that something was going on. I just answered the phone and she just calls like, my son is gone. And I went into shock. Like I was trying to talk, but I couldn't talk when my phone drops. And then a nurse comes and she's just looking at me and she's like, what's wrong, mom? I can't help you, you know? but you have to talk. So then they take the baby from me and I I go outside and I remember I just screamed so loud and I just started crying. No, the next day a social worker comes. She came and they told me that they were gonna take my son away. And I was just more devastated because this whole time I've been trying to avoid that for my son to go in the system. And I remember they gave me the option to come back to the foster system and I was going to be able to be in the same foster home with my son, you know, and I didn't think twice about it. I just came with them. So your son's father, he shot and killed. Now you're facing the possibility of losing your son because of the environment and and what you've been through and and maybe what he's been exposed to. And so, yeah, you are put in foster care and you had been in other foster care homes, I know, and things didn't go that well. But at this point in your life, I mean, you had already overcome so much. You're put into foster care with um, Miss Wendy, which is Wendy Analu, who's been on the Courageous podcast. What was it like, you know, when you went to live with her? It was the first time I was ever cared for. Miss Wendy was the nicest person to me, and she still is. She has done a lot for me, and one of the most important things that I value was that she shared God with me. I remember she would take us to church, 
and one night I was in a baptism service and I was just listening to the word, listening to the testimonies. And I remember that night I experienced the Holy Spirit in my life for the first night. And that's the night I gave my life to Jesus. And from that moment on, my life has been completely different. I will always love and have a really soft spot for Miss Wendy for sharing God with me. Hmm. I remember you said that, uh, separate from your grandmother, that she was the first person that showed you love, that cared for you unconditionally, and that was there for you. And to think that you had to wait all these years to feel that, I'm so, so happy. And then for her to share the love of Christ, as you were sharing your story, what I kept hearing was rejection. You were rejected by you know, your, your parents, you're rejected from the foster care system in some of the homes that you were in. You know, you just went through so much rejection. And then you have an encounter with God who will always love you, always receives you, created you in his image and loves you. And now you have a, a forever father that will always be there for you. And putting Miss Wendy into your path um, was part of his plan. And I know that you're gonna do so, so great, Mercy, as you keep going. And so what was your motivation to keep going through all of this adversity, Mercy? I want the best for my children. After my child's father passed away, I found out that I was pregnant again with my baby girl. She's seven months. I don't want my children to ever feel how I felt, even if they only have me, you know. I don't want them to ever experience any type of abuse. And I don't want them to grow up thinking that they have to put up with all those things just to be loved. Yes, absolutely not. I always say that if our kids do not motivate us to do better, to be better, what else can we always want to be not perfect. We're not going to be perfect moms, but we want to give them the best life and just try to be a good example and teach them to be good people, good human beings who love God so that they can grow up and, and be successful. And I, I truly believe that that's going to happen. You know, why do you think it was important to share your story today? Because I know there's many girls and women out there that are probably feeling the same way that I once felt, lonely, just trying to get out of a tough situation. But I just want to say that you are a son or daughter of God, mm -hmm. and he will not abandon you. He will be there with you through the toughest times of your life, and he will get you through them. Amen. Wow. <sighs> you have so much wisdom, mercy. And there are people that need to hear that message that have been through what you've been through or even worse things, you know, and to hear somebody so young speak that into people's lives is, is so, so powerful. You know, something you had shared with me that was so, so, so powerful was you need to seek God and he can bring you joy and peace. And that's true. Like no one else can bring that to you. And at the end of our conversation, when you told me that, when your boyfriend passed away, you were already pregnant, you know, with your daughter and you didn't even know it. I can't even believe that this is happening, but I know that it's going to make you stronger to be a better mom and to take care of your kids. You know, is there anything 
Mercy, that you would have done different on this journey? No, I wouldn't change anything. It makes me who I am today, and it has given me so much strength and power, and it has helped me to seek Jesus for help a lot. And now I'm in a much more better place. I'm more at peace. I'm much more happy. And I wouldn't change anything, you know, that I went through. Hmm. A lot of times what we go through is what makes us stronger to kind of get to where we are today or where God is going to lead us in the future. You know, I was uh, with you just the other day, uh, driving in the car, taking you to work. And I asked you, you know, what do you want to do in the future? And you shared a couple of, of dreams with me. And I'm, I'm a big dreamer, but I'm also a believer in taking action and hopefully making it happen. You know, what are some of the dreams that you have just being 20 for your future and for your kids? First of all, I want to own my own home, and I want to open a daycare for all those moms that don't have anybody to watch their care for all those moms that can work because they don't have nobody to care for their kid, and give them, you know, another chance. There is hope, and that their kids will be in great hands. You know, that's something I kind of struggle with, just finding someone to care for my kids and I struggle with that so I want to be the help for the ones that are struggling I love that that's amazing and it's necessary because there's so so many single moms out there and even some single dads that are struggling and I pray that God will use you to help and encourage and minister to those that are single and need help well mercy this has been a great conversation you made me cry and that wasn't part of the deal <laughs> <laughs> but I know that it's the Holy Spirit that just speaks through you and, and was in the midst of our conversation. I'm excited for us to continue our friendship and hopefully be here as a support to you and Miss Wendy as well. I pray blessings over you, over your beautiful children, which I got to meet and hold. I pray God continues to bring you joy and that you know and believe that even when you go through hard times, that you know that he is your redeemer and he loves you and he accepts you the way that you are. And I know that God is going to continue to do great things. And I'm going to speak into existence that one day you will have a beautiful home, that you will be a daycare provider, and that eventually God will bring a godly man into your life at the right time to love you and help you and support you the way that you deserve. Don't settle. Okay, Mercy, don't settle. You are the daughter of a king, and you deserve the best. Amen. All right. Well, everybody, I pray that this story ministered to you. I pray her testimony will just resonate with you and allow you to see that God is powerful. He is amazing. He loves us unconditionally and that we are never alone. If you want to connect with Mercy, hey, reach out to me on Courageous Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. If there's a single mom out there that wants help and support or that just wants to connect with Mercy, please connect with me and I will put you in touch with her. As I like to say on the Courageous Podcast, continue to be strong and courageous. Bye, Mercy. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Hey, Courageous community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.